All right, let's go ahead. Let's bring on Matt Orton here, CFA and Chief Market Strategist at Carlton Tower Advisor. And did I say that? What is it? Carlton? Close. You're close. Uh, Carillon. Carillon. All right. I just want to make sure we got to get that right there. So welcome to the show, Matt. First time on. Great to have you on. It's great to be here. All right, let's dive on in. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, of course, is what have we really seen change, right? You probably caught a little bit of the comments that I was looking at earlier, but you know, are you in the camp that sees that quick pivot? I mean, I know a lot of people were in this camp, especially even before Jackson Hole. Are you in that camp now? I'm not. I think just like you commented before I came on, the, the idea that inflation running at 8% is, is going to suddenly come down to two very, very quickly, I think is pretty far-fetched. And so the reaction from the market after the July FOMC meeting, I thought was, it was kind of confusing. Nothing to me from that meeting read dovish pivot in any way, shape, or form. If anything, I was already starting to get hints of, of higher for longer after that meeting. So Jackson Hole, in a way, really was not a surprise at all to me. Uh, if anything, Powell did exactly what he had to do. He had to reset market expectations that the Fed isn't going to pivot. There's still a lot of work that has to be done to bring down inflation and that in order to do so, they're probably going to have to leave rates higher for a more prolonged period of time. Of course, we don't know what that higher number is. We don't know what the terminal Fed funds rate is going to be. And we also don't know how long it's going to take to get there. Um, I do think looking at some of the most recent data, and again, a couple data points does not make a trend, which is why the Fed still can't take its foot off of off of the break. Uh, we're at least seeing some signs of encouragement, and especially last week's jobs report. That was the last piece where we really hadn't seen any sort of normalization or signs of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of hitting peak inflation. But we started to see more people participating in the labor market, especially prime age working level um, individuals. That was very good. Wage growth started to roll over a little bit. So from the Fed's perspective, that is good news. Of course, news out of Europe um, had something else to say about where the market was going to go that day. But at least we're moving in the right direction with the recent data. We're going to get more this week. We get CPI next week. And, and that in the totality of everything, I think that will give us an estimate of what the Fed's actually going to do at the meeting later this month. Now, some of the talk that we were talking about in uh, one of our morning shows, pre-market prep that I host also, is the thought of inflation really being put down towards 2%, really. And so one of the th topics that we were talking about, would there be kind of a new norm of inflation, let's say maybe 4%? Um, do you think that this could possibly happen where we actually just change our outlook on that 2% outlook and we start holding towards a higher percent of inflation? I really don't think so. I mean, it, I think historical context is also useful because up until COVID, we were having challenges getting above 2% on inflation. People, not enough money was circulating around the system and being spent. Europe and Japan had the same types of problems. And so to, to think that the world has that radically changed, I don't really think there's any evidence of that yet. Uh, we're coming out of such a dislocated period at which there, there's really no historical precedent for shutting down an entire global economy. 
we're working through a lot of these challenges. And so I don't think we're going to move the goalpost. I do think there's going to be some flexibility with how long it takes us to get to that 2% level. I don't think the Fed's going to need to keep its foot hard on the brakes until we get to 2%. I think they can start to ease off when we see meaningful and consistent signs that it's moving in the right direction. Um, but we're not there yet. All right. So, of course, uh, here comes the question that is probably asked upon the most right now in financial media. Will we break through the June lows? That's <laughs> yeah, the, the $2 trillion question right yeah. now. The price action last week has me a little bit more concerned. When I talk to our clients, I'm advocating extreme caution in this sort of market environment. But my base case is still that we don't break through the June lows. 3850 is kind of the technical level on the S&P 500 that I have is, is resistance that if we break through that, the probability of retesting or maybe moving below the June lows increases meaningfully. But the rally we're having today is encouraging. Uh, if real rates can stop parabolically moving higher, I think that gives the market the ability to find some footing. Um, and hopefully, once we get past September 21st and we get past the Fed meeting, I think the risks are skewed to the upside. Because when you look at the actual fundamental picture of the market, earnings have continued to hold in there. I don't think we need to have massive adjustments to earnings estimates going forward. We already have had some meaningful estimates that just haven't meaning at meaningful estimate reductions that haven't gotten a lot of attention. And I think the fact that company margins are holding up very well, the consumer hasn't rolled over in aggregate yet, the fact that we are starting to see signs of peaking inflation, all of that to me is encouraging. And if as a long-term investor, even if we do break through the June lows, if nothing changes to that overall fundamental picture, it's a great opportunity to start getting in and picking your spots and making sure that you have equity exposure because the risks and reward are definitely skewed to the upside from there. So I advocate for using meaningful downside opportunistically. If you can withstand some of the pain, use downside moves in the market to your advantage to make sure that, that you're allocated and have exposure to the equity market going forward. Now, the next area that I want to talk about is I've been hearing more and more focus on GARP plays, really. Um, can you maybe explain to us really what, for our newer investors, what GARP is and if you see any plays out there that kind of more fit the bill? Absolutely. So, so GARP stands for growth at a reasonable price. Uh, so, so it kind of embodies elements of both value and growth investing because valuation is central for GARP to work. So you're, you're not overpaying for growth. And so there's GARP actually has been working this year. And people say growth is dead or growth hasn't worked. I like to pause a little bit and say, well, expensive growth hasn't worked. Growth at a reasonable price this year has actually outperformed the broader market because as recessionary concerns increase, the only way you're going to get growth better than the economy is to invest in companies that are rapidly growing, but not overpaying for it. So that valuation element is really, really important. And my favorite way right now to get exposure to GARP is through the healthcare sector, uh, especially larger cap healthcare companies. Uh, because when you think about the US alone, 
I mean, you have an aging population uh, with more and more chronic diseases. It, that, that, that's, that's a ripe area for just natural organic growth and, and the need for more and more technology to help bring down the cost of actually providing care. There's potential for disruption, potential for innovation. So healthcare is a really good natural growth part of the market and healthcare itself doesn't trade at a very expensive um, valuation relative to the market. I think valuations are very, very reasonable. And within healthcare, HMOs, managed care companies, those are areas that, that have been posting you know, mid-double-digit earnings and revenue growth quarter after quarter, beating and raising guidance quarter after quarter. To me, that's a great consistent area that has earnings, it has free cash flow. That's where I want to be right now because it plays a little bit of defense. But when the market moves, you're still invested in companies that have growth characteristics. Love it there. Definitely. And I think this is definitely a time where, you know, sometimes we have, you know, those ripping rallies like 2020 and, you know, you don't really think about fundamentals that often, but in this type of market, I feel like this is the time if you're definitely a new trader or investor out there, this is the time when you really need to kind of learn how to deep dive into those financials so that you can find those GARP plays and maybe potentially find yourself a nice winner there. Now, last thing I want to leave off is I want to give you a little bit more of a window here. Matt, is there something that maybe investors are missing out there? You feel they might be missing. Um, is there any opportunities out there? I think there's just too much pessimism in the market right now. I mean, sometimes I'll walk into a room with, with clients or prospects and I'm literally the only potentially, you know, moderately bullish person in the room. Yeah. So, you know, I, I joke, it's fashionable to be bearish right now. Everything you hear is we're heading to a recession. Earnings have to come down. Things just don't look good. But when you actually go out, I get coffee in the morning. If I go to Dunkin' Donuts or to Starbucks, you know, there, there's, very, very long lines and high wait times to get drinks. I still see people out and about spending money. You know, I, I think that the fact that people aren't spending as much on stuff doesn't mean that there's not going to continue to spend on services. So, so people are still spending money in this economy. And what I'd like to leave the viewers with is until the labor market starts to roll over, I think a lot of the recession calls are overstated. There's certainly risks that the economy is slowing down, but it doesn't necessarily mean recession is a foregone conclusion, or if we move into one that it has to be severe or protracted or anything like we saw in 2008. So with that in mind, you know, it makes sense to play defense right now in the market, lean into GARP, lean into higher quality companies that actually have earnings. But when the market moves lower, let the market come to you, but start to find areas that, that have maybe a little bit growthier, higher octane areas like small cap. So you at least have some exposure for when things do start to move in the other direction, but never get too bearish because things can change very, very quickly. Just as 21 changed into this year, we can see a change back just as quickly. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been a great one. Appreciate you coming on. Matt Oren, CFA, Chief Market Strategist at Carillon Tower Advisors. Appreciate you coming on. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Matt.